about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. Hello, and welcome to It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time, we're stepping outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe and into the multiverse for a look at Spider-Woman, first seen in 1979. And this is actually taken from my other podcast, Looks Unfamiliar, which is a show in which myself and the guests talk about some of the things that they remember that nobody else ever seems to. For the 50th edition of Looks Unfamiliar, we turned the tables and I was the guest, interviewed by a name that I'm sure would be familiar to it to good accept it sucks listeners, Gareth Hirons. One of my choices, in addition to the Young Poisoner's Handbook, Radio Tip Top, Chris Cross's protest single about gang violence in the hood, and the long-forgotten original version of Right Here by SWV, was the 1979 Spider-Woman cartoon, which of course is now available to stream on Disney+, Plus. but back when we recorded it, it was almost as much as I could do to find a clip of the opening titles. Anyway, just to go out a Marvel deep dive in the context of a show where most of the audience were listening for jokes about you should be so lucky and ice magic, was sort of what originally gave me the idea for a corresponding show that took a similar approach to the wider world of Marvel on screen. And a couple of weeks later, the first thing that I did on New Year's Day was record a chat about the first Iron Man movie with Phil Catterall, and then the pandemic started. But recording It's Good Except It Sucks and the reaction from the sometimes unexpectedly large audience really did help to keep me sane during those very strange times, as indeed did the thought of finally getting to see Black Widow in an actual cinema, but that's another story. And as the next It's Good Except It Sucks features me and Gareth chatting about Spider-Man and his amazing friends, I thought you might all like to hear that original chat about its close contemporary that started it all. So, over to you, Jessica. Look, up on the building, it's Spider-Woman. And this is Jessica Drew, who as a child, while visiting her father's laboratory, was bitten by a poisonous spider. Forced to try an untested spider serum, Dr. Drew not only saved his daughter's life, but unknowingly gave her incredible spider-like powers. Dedicated to fighting evil while weaving her web of justice, it's Spider-Woman. Well, my spider sense is tingling, so I'd best take my pills and have a lie down. But Tim, perhaps you can tell us what that was in the meantime. Yeah, that was the opening narration from Spider-Woman, 1979. I think it was the Patey Freeling series. We got it over here, I think, in about 1981. Marvel in the late 70s belatedly caught on to feminism. And there are some issues now around the way... Some storylines portrayed with some of these characters, we'll come back to in a bit, but they did go out of their way to create what for the time were strong female characters. That's when Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel, as she was then, first appeared. She Hulk, Dazzler, who nobody remembers, who was a disco dancer who could like hold her own against men, sort of emotionally and physically. Oh, I um, remember Dazzler, yeah. yeah. I had the misfortune to be introduced during the Dark Phoenix arc. Oh, uh, so no. Everyone, everyone forgot she was a thing. Proper Dazzler when she actually sang. That's what I'll have. 
I think they tried to send him to pink these days, haven't they? And there's also, there was Monica Rambo who went through a number of names. I think she eventually settled on Photon, didn't she? There was also Spider-Woman. There are some stories that the creation of Spider-Woman was hastened by, apparently there was a filmation series called Web Woman, which is only, there's only very bad rips off on the internet. I don't know how true that is. That could be something fans are taking the ball and run with, but... I think the time was right for there to be a Spider-Woman. Bits of this would change for the cartoon, but basically Jessica Drew was from, I think she's from either the late 19th or early 20th century, and she'd been, I don't know how all this uranium got into London, but she's exposed to uranium as a child, and she was given an experimental treatment based on the spider serum, which sort of, roundabout long story, but she got knocked into suspended animation and was reawoken in the present day. And I think the early comics are actually set in London because it's got the interesting thing about not just her being a super-powered woman because obviously she got spidery powers from that serum and all the uranium in a man's world but adjusting to a very changed world while trying not to let on to anyone as well. I mean, she wasn't a clone of Spider-Man. She had slightly different powers. Superhuman strength, she could fly, which Spider-Man couldn't. I think it was limited flying, but she could do it. Pheromone secretion, which didn't feature in the cartoon very heavily. <laughs> she could get one over on men that way. Crawl up walls. I think she fired energy blasts as well, but they gave her extra powers in this cartoon, which was really quick out of the traps. I think the comic was only about 18 months old when the cartoon was optioned. And it was really interesting because I hadn't seen Spider-Woman at that point. It was quite rare to get a Marvel comic. It was a big thing, and I used to read them from cover to cover again and again, even if it was the middle of a story. Like, you know, you get an Avengers where it'd be mid-adventure, and, you know, it'd end with a cliffhanger, and you think, what's Hawkeye going to do? And you might never find out for years, <laughs> so you got the internet. And, you know, I would get Fantastic Four ones sometimes, Spider-Man. You didn't really tend to, because they were bought for you by relatives and so on, who were feeling generous, and they didn't go for the obscure characters, so you get... I've never forgotten the feeling of, you know, don't get me wrong, I love Thor now. I did not understand Thor when I was a five-year-old, especially because they talked in ancient Norse a lot. And someone would say, oh, I've got you on the superhero comics. I'd be thinking, yes, yes. And they put it out and it was Thor. I think, oh, great. <laughs> Spider-Woman just sort of appeared from nowhere. In It was when they revamped Children's ITV in the Watch It slot, which, again, we discussed on here a couple of shows ago with Melanie Williams, where they tried to make it new and more relevant, more contemporary. And obviously there was this dashing new cartoon series from America that they bought in. I remember feeling quite strange because that was around the time the 60s Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can, was still in heavy rotation. And they pulled that out the schedules and put Spider-Woman on. And it was kind of a bit like how I felt about... I am convinced people hating Scrappy-Doo came later. I remember girls in school saying he was cute and lots of people going, puppy power. My thought was... Why did they never show the old ones again? What's happened to the mystery machine? And it's kind of like that with Spider-Man and Spider-Woman. But I loved Spider-Woman. I thought it was brilliant. Only years later did I find out how toned down it had been. That original comic, it's not for kids. It's aimed at teenage girls at the youngest. There are all kinds of elements in it. Like she fights a lot of occult villains. There's a lot of stuff like there was in all these female character comics about sexual politics. Not always well explored. I mean, it's a very controversial Ms. Marvel one involving mind control. And we will just leave it there. I'm dealing with the 
emotional fallout from that, which I don't think was brutally handled. But sometimes Spider-Woman got a bit near the knuckle, and it wasn't much on evidence in this series. I did read in my uh, research that, yeah, the occult elements were taken out, which obviously makes a lot of sense given the target audience for a Tea Time cartoon. But also, Jessica Drew was a journalist in this. Yes. Kind of makes her the, the She-Ra to Peter Parker's He-Man. In fact, I should say the Princess Adora to his Prince Adam. And mm. I, I think that must have been a deliberate move to give people something that they were familiar with. Something to sort of latch onto and go, look, it is basically Spider-Man, but a woman. I think so, and they gave her extra powers as well. And remember, they're being spider telepathy, which I don't think she had in the comics. And spiders are not telepathic, as far as I'm aware. There was a spider bubble that she could generate around herself. Again, I don't remember that being a comic book thing. I'm very hazy on this. It's very hard to find any episodes online, but I think she spun round like Wonder Woman and changed into a costume rather than changing in the women's toilets, as you know would have happened in the comic. Yeah, that wouldn't be out of uh, out of style for this, I don't think. I can see them wanting to use, because it does seem like they've, they've tried to co-opt as many elements as possible mm. from things that people will find familiar to make a, a sanitised version of Spider-Woman for the screen. And the other thing about it is that there's very little, you know, it's nothing like, there were a few Marvel things in production around then, but different people own the rights to them. So it's nothing like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there's very little crossover. I mean, there was a Fantastic Four cartoon around that time where I don't think they faced many comic villains in it. They also didn't have the Human Torch. They had Herbie the Robot because the Human Torch had been optioned for a live-action TV show. It was never made. Obviously, there was the Spider-Man live-action series, which I think was in production at the same time as this. There was, I think there was a Doctor Strange pilot. There was a Captain America pilot. So they didn't all cross over. The only villain from the comics I remember seeing in the cartoon was the Kingpin. Not like he appears in the Daredevil TV series. You know, not the complicated, misunderstood man who wants to do good by doing evil and regenerate a city by destroying it. Nothing like that going on at the moment, is there? But just as the, the one-dimensional comic kingpin, this <laughs> massive bloke in a white suit. Apparently Dormammu also appeared. Oh, okay. And there were a couple of guest appearances from Spider-Man. Yeah, I think um, they were sort of cameos, weren't they? Were like, hey, keep off my walls. A lot of the episodes, there seems to have been 16 episodes made, and a lot of them have very generic uh, enemy descriptions mm. in. One of them mentioned Wookiee-like creatures. <laughs> so there we go but then again Star Wars would have been out not yes, long before yeah, sorry yeah. A New Hope Jesus Christ uh, wouldn't have been out long before then so I, I guess that would have been in vogue I just want to draw your attention as well to episode 10 Dracula's Revenge the, the description of that was the world's population are being threatened with being turned into vampires werewolves and Frankenstein's monsters not Frankenstein's no no or Frankenstein's unfortunately <laughs> what is, is Skellington involved anywhere no no Skellington's very disappointed but yeah Spider-Woman discovers that Dracula is behind this so um how is it his revenge what <laughs> what is the revenge and who is it on well, everyone, by the yeah, looks but of it. What did they, it's not revenge, because that is an attack. What did they do to him to make it revenge? That's nonsense. Did she fight Godzilla in any of them? I don't think so. So no. there wasn't a cameo from Brock? There, there wasn't, which which just speaks to his non-canonicity, really. <laughs> just to uh, derail that train of thought for you, do you have any theories on why more episodes of this weren't made? Is it, is it just the production style of the time? 
or do you think it didn't catch on? I think it didn't catch on, really. I think it was one of those many things where, in America, particularly around then, if something wasn't successful, they wouldn't even show all of it. Whereas we get all of it over here. Like, we got all of Nearly Departed with Eric Idle. We got all of, as I call it, Marshall the Chronicles, because that's what the opening <laughs> title said. There were so many programmes where we saw more of it in America, did. and I think we probably did with this as well. I think it didn't catch on. Probably they didn't get a merchandising deal, because I don't remember seeing any merchandise based on it. They weren't making the right kind of money out of it. Well, not long after, it was Secret Wars in the comics. And yes, Secret Wars yeah. introduced a completely different Spider-Woman. Yes. Uh, who was in the, the sort of the Venom-style outfit, but with blonde hair. And definitely wasn't Jessica Drew. Yeah, absolutely. Although Jessica has come back in later years. Yeah. And apparently, what later became Jessica Jones was originally a vehicle for Jessica Drew. And halfway through planning, they thought, we need to make this a new character. But they do share some characteristic similarities. Definitely. And some abilities as well. But it, it's just weird that it's something that, for me, it was something I watched every week and I looked forward to. I remember being in school and thinking, oh, it's Spider-Woman today. And it's even more gone from history than the live-action Spider-Man, which... I've got my own story about that. There was an episode of it. Again, you know, you couldn't get hold of stuff in those days if it wasn't on. There was an episode listed in TV Times called The Deadly Dust. I can't remember exactly what the TV Times synopsis said, but I remember thinking all week, that's going to be brilliant, that. I can't wait to see what Nicholas Hammond in that dreadful Spider-Man costume does to defeat the Deadly Dust. And then they took it off because there was a chemical leak on the news that day and they never rescheduled it. Oh. And I, one of the first things I ever looked up on the internet was the deadly dust to find out what happened in it. I think Spider-Woman may even be out on DVD, but it's that far under the radar that I've never come across it. No, I've certainly never seen it. Well, want to keep it eye If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you buy more editions of It's Good to Accept It Sucks and of Looks Unfamiliar and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me at timworthington.org.